This episode of the American Birding Podcast is brought to you by Turismo de Lisboa. The Iberian Peninsula offers some of the best birding in Europe, and Lisbon, Portugal is an excellent gateway to it all. Located at the mouth of the Tagus River with exceptional birding just a short distance away, Lisbon is a paradise for migratory waterbirds with wintering flamingos, storks, raptors, and more. And it's one of the most affordable cities in Europe. For more information on what you can expect from Portugal's capital, be it cultural or birding highlights, go to visit Lisbon. Hi folks, this is Nate Swick, host of the American Birding Podcast, and I am really excited to share with you this episode, which is in large part the live show we did from the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival earlier this month. It was amazing. Uh, We had Jason Ward, we had Ted Floyd, we had amazing, very brave contestants to play some birdie games with us. But before we get to the actual meat of the show itself, there are a couple things that we take the time to announce at the top of the show. Notably, we introduced our new board chair, Julie Davis. Welcome, Julie. And awarded the Betty Peterson Award to Texas birder Madge Lindsay for everything she's done to support birds and birders in Texas. It is a lot. You'll just hear some highlights of those presentations. They're very short. And then we'll be on to the show. Good evening. I'm Jeffrey Gordon. I'm the president of the American Birding Association. And uh, thank you. And I would like to welcome you to our 50th anniversary celebration here at the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival. There's always been a special association between the ABA and Texas. Uh, When we were founded back in 1968, 1969, the original headquarters was in Austin. Uh, And um, Texas played a pivotal role in founding of the ABA. Uh, so we always like coming back here. And then, of course, uh, this, this festival, too. Um, this has just always been a key event in the sort of birding community calendar. And it's just always wonderful to be here. So thank you to Texas, and thank you to the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival. And I would like to introduce and invite on stage to say hello, our very brand new, just two weeks old in her new role as chair of the board of the ABA, Julie Davis. Thanks, Jeff. Wow, this is great. So I am beyond thrilled to see all of you here tonight. And I'm thrilled that you all support the ABA. And as Jeff said, I am brand spanking new. Two weeks ago, I was elected. So I am looking forward to my next two years serving as chair of the board. And um, I can't wait to interact with all of you if you ever have anything you want to talk about. But I hear we're in for a really good time. So I can't wait to get it started. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Julie. It is very much our honor to present the Betty Peterson Award for Conservation and Community to Madge Lindsay. This is absolutely wonderful. Um, it, it hasn't been work for me. It's been long and hard and sometimes tiring, but it's been so much fun. So many of us live so far out of the moment. We're stressed, we're worried, we're running here and there. And to me, it's so wonderful to stop and go and find a beautiful place to be and just be in the moment with a bird. 
Thank you so much. Thank all of you. I'd like to welcome your host for the evening, Nate Swick. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. It is wonderful to be here live from the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival in Harlingen, Texas. Thank you so much. What an amazing crowd we have here tonight. Um, we're going to try and do a game show. We have four amazing contestants who are going to come up here and try and play some of the birdie games. I want to welcome to the stage Alex Lamoureux and Mike McCloy, please. Welcome. Thank you for agreeing to do this with me. Um, I want to talk about your time at the Valley. Mike, do you have a favorite Valley bird? <laughs> well, it's really hard to pick a single favorite. It absolutely is. One of the best things about the Valley is the sheer diversity of incredible birds that we have down here. But probably like many of you here tonight, I will have to go with the Green Jay. Green Jay is a winner. Like Green Jay is a winner. How about you, Alex? I'd have to go with the white-tailed hawk. White-tailed hawk. Yeah, I saw a few of those today. Yeah, so I have a game for you guys today. Uh, the name of the game is called Santa Anagrams. <laughs> so I'm going to give you some clues, and in those clues is going to be an anagram of a valley specialty bird. Your job is to ring in and give me the name of that answer. For example, if I said... It's a bad idea to cook with this tiny bird of prey found in Texas scrub because your meal will be contaminated with its ugly, wormy soup finger. You would say ferruginous pygmy owl because that is an anagram for ugly, wormy soup finger. Exactly. So please ring in. And if anyone in the audience gets it before I... Before they do, I will, I will cue you if you want to yell out the answer, all right? I will cue you. Let's give them a chance first. Are you ready? <laughs> Are, yeah, you're looking nervous. This bizarre short-billed cuckoo always dresses in black, mostly because they're a hardcore fan. They really love bad religion. Michael. Groove-billed Ani. Groove-billed Ani, yes. <laughs> Drew Bildani, random games who love a bad religion. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that our uh, friend Kelly is keeping score. Thank you, Kelly. This South Texas raptor is famous for feeding on prey, fleeing prairie fires. But you're less likely to find it after lightning fires where the storms are tweaked with hail. Tweaked with hail. They flee prairie farms. Yes, Alex, I was hoping you'd get this. Is it a white-tailed hawk? It is a white-tailed hawk. <laughs> All right. You guys are doing great. Walker, Texas Ranger is no match for this aggressive, yellow-bellied tyrant flycatcher. And in a fight, would spend no time at all disrobing Chuck. Alex... Couches Kingbird. It's Couches Kingbird. Well done. Warblers are described as little jewels, and this stunning South Texas specialty, which nests in Spanish moss, uh, looks like a particular opal. 
Michael. Tropical Perula. Tropical Perula is correct. All right, I've got two more, so about well, three more, so bear with me. What is the score, Kelly? It's tied. Thank you, Kelly. If any Texas bird would be a drunken martial arts master, it's this stripe-faced flycatcher, the perfect choice to protect your karate side keg. Michael. Great Kiskadee. Great Kiskadee is correct. Those of you who lead field trips, feel free to use any of these acronyms out in the field. I can attest that they go over really well. Thank you for not groaning, because I know yeah, you already did that. All right, here's uh, two more. This raptor, which acts like a vulture, but is related to falcons, prefers the roadkill potential of the real... Oh, you gotta wait for me. Give me a break, guys. <laughs> prefers the, uh, the roadkill potential of the real feline NASCAR circuit and not the virtual arcade cat racers. One, Michael. Crested Caracara. Crested Caracara is right. Last one. <laughs> <laughs> this large orange and black perching bird can't type at all and dictates all its internet messages in the form of an oratorial email. Did you ring in? There it is. <laughs> Altamira Oriole? You're correct, it's Altamira Oriole. <laughs> Kelly, what's our score? Three to four, Mike. Alex, you'll have a chance to redeem yourself in just a little bit. So, um, so Mike is ahead, one to nothing, Alex. You need to win this game, or you will be stuck answering all the complaint emails <laughs> sent to Cornell Lab of Ornithology after the eBird outage yesterday. The name of this game is Real or Fake Bird Mnemonics. Over, oh geez, since the beginning of Field Guides, uh, field Guide authors have tried in various ways to talk about bird sounds in lots of different uh, unique ways. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you some bird mnemonics and bird vocal descriptions. And it will be your job to tell me whether they are real from a real North American field guide or they are ones that I have just made up. <laughs> so you don't need your buzzers. We'll go back and forth. If you get it if you, it's real or fake. There's only two answers in this. They're pretty easy. So we're going to start with Alex. You get the first go. Pup, 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 pup. Perek. <laughs> real or fake? I'll go fake. It is real. Mm. It is a scissor-tailed flycatcher from the Sibley Guide to Birds. All right, Michael. Maids, maids, put on your tea kettle kettle. Real. It is real. That is the song sparrow description from the Stokes Field Guide. Alex, bear with me. Ding. I'll go fake again. It is fake. Congratulations. That is the sound of a 56K modem connecting to the internet. <laughs> Mike. Go back, go back, go backa, go backa, go backa. I'm gonna go with fake. 
That is real. That is Willow Ptarmigan from the National Geographic Field Guide. Go back, go back, go back, go back. All right, Alex. Thwip. (laughs) I'll say true. It is fake. That is the sound of Spider-Man's web shooters from the comic books. Michael? R2-D2 on a sugar high. Real. That is real. That is real. Congratulations. That is the Bob Link from the ABA Field Guide to the New York by Corey Finger. Alex. Vorp, vorp, vorp. I'll say true again. It is fake. (laughs) That is the sound of Doctor Who's TARDIS. One last one for you, Mike. Ooh, ooh, I stepped in poo. That's real. That's real, because that was from my field guide, the AVA field guide to Birds of the Carolinas. And you do remember what that bird was? No, okay, it's Swainson's Thrush. Yeah, it's a warbler. I'm sorry, Swainson's Warbler. All right, Kelly, the final score. Three to one, Mike. So Michael is our winner. Congratulations, Mike. He'll be back at the end. We're going to do one final game. When he was 14, he spotted a peregrine falcon eating a pigeon on his windowsill in the Bronx. He never looked back. He's Jason Ward, and he hosts Topics, Birds of North America. Welcome, Jason. Jason, I binged your show in preparation for this, uh, this interview. It is amazing, obviously, to watch you grow into this role that you've undertaken. And not, not that you weren't a dynamic presenter before, but um, you know, we get to see a lot more of your personality in season two. Um, how do you feel you've grown into you know, this role as you've been doing Birds of North America? So there is a shot in uh, episode one of season one in which the opening scene, I am walking towards the camera in a very crowded field and I'm introducing Central Park for spring migration. I was so incredibly nervous <laughs> shooting that scene. We shot it about 10 times. You wouldn't um, know it. And the reason we <laughs> shot it 10 times is because even though I was mic'd up, I'm speaking really low. And the director kept telling me, okay, do it again, but project your voice, speak louder. And I'm like, but everyone can hear me if I do that. <laughs> so it, I went from that to really just coming into my own and in, in really in the second season of the show. So I, I definitely agree that it shows. Yeah, you, you absolutely can tell. It's, um, you know, I know you're a natural history documentary geek, sort of like I am. We were talking about this the other day. Um, I, I do see it like a through line from someone like David Attenborough to, you know, through Steve Irwin and Jeff Corwin and the Crab Brothers and all these people that were sort of a generation afterwards. You know, how were you influenced by them and, and what do you try to do differently as host of Birds of North America? That's a great question. I grew up on those guys, oh, really. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> um, you know, especially the Krat brothers. Um, I watched almost every episode of Krat's Creatures growing up. It used to come on PBS when I was younger. Um, I wanted to do what they did so bad, so much so that I would drag my parents around the Bronx Zoo growing up and when I would get to an enclosure, I would cover the, the animal's name and, <laughs> and like pop quiz them, see if they would guess it right. So How good were they? Uh, not not yeah. very good. Um, <laughs> little did I know, doing stuff just like that would prepare me for 
hosting shows oh, like totally. Birds of North America. Yeah. You know, Attenborough actually got you know quite a bit of criticism uh, for one of his more recent documentaries uh, about how he and his cinematographers sort of intentionally omitted some like marginal habitat mm -hmm. and and human impact. Um, you know, in Birds of North America is as much about people as it is about about the birds. You know, do you think it is important to show nature as it sort of really is and how people are likely to interact with it? Uh, than, rather than, you know, this sort of idealized version of nature that we've seen in, you know, the, the older style of nature documentaries. Oh, 100%. It's, it's incredibly important. The more people are aware of what's actually going on out there, the more they'll be inclined to do something about some of the things that are going wrong in the world. I think I, I read a quote um, from Attenborough. Should I call him Sir? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> We're Americans. We don't have to call him I'll call Sir. call him David. <laughs> in which he said that um, being alarmist about yeah. what's going on out there is a turn off. And you know, that's, that was really unfortunate to hear as, as great of a person as uh, Sir is, mm -hmm. um, that was really an unfortunate thing to, to hear. But you know what? We see this a lot with, you know, it's not just BBC, it's, you know, Animal Planet and Discovery. Yeah. They, they knowingly create, like, false images or false impressions yeah. of the actual world that's out there. It's unfortunate. It does sort of feel like it's a generational thing, too, because I do think um, there's, uh, you know, a gener you know, David Attenborough is of a certain age, and as we get younger, there it does seem to be, the, like, the, the, the crowd, the audience for these sorts of shows definitely wants to have that sort of realism. Uh, involved, and um, I, I think there's another benefit to it, and that you are sort of teaching people that these natural experiences are accessible to them. Like you can find these amazing birds in New York, like you Everywhere. do. Yeah. You don't have to go to some far-flung rainforest or some prairie to find these things. You can have these natural experiences very close by. And sometimes, uh, you know, that sort of idealistic nature documentaries sort of, it, ma it makes you feel like you can't do those things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. growing up, that's exactly how I felt. I yeah. felt like what I was envisioning on television, the, the sheer biodiversity of wildlife was something that was out of reach. Right. Um, or something that I can only experience via TV or in a book. Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw a peregrine falcon in the Bronx. And that changed the way that I viewed uh, wildlife from that point forward. And it still is my favorite bird today. It's everyone's favorite bird, right? <laughs> Yeah, I would think of like snowy owls too. I mean, that's a bird you see on these nature documentaries. This is tundra. Like, there is no part of the world that is farther away to get to. And then when they show up, as all birders know, like they show up in like parking lots and airports and beaches, you know, beaches yeah, like these yeah. weird places. And, and it's it's really amazing and and, and gratifying to, to know that you can have these sort of nature experiences uh, right outside your door. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about birds in North America because it, it, that's like such a central tenant of it. Yeah, I mean, it's all about um, having good birding experiences with good people and having good conversation while doing it. Yeah. I think we're all super Absolutely. familiar with that concept there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me and for uh, being a part of this live broadcast. I do have a game for you. Are you up for it? Yeah, I'm down. All I, right. Th thanks for telling me now. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so... Over the course of your show, you or the people you talk to describe birds in sort of memorable ways. All right, so I'm going to read to you some of these descriptions from your show. He's quizzing me about my show. That's exactly what I'm doing. This is, and we'll see if right. you can remember 
what birds you're talking about. Okay. All right, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. A New York staple, rats with wings. All right, well, first of all, let me clarify. I wasn't saying that they are rats with wings. No, you were talking I was saying about that people them. refer I know, totally. to them as rats yes. with wings. Absolutely. I don't. It's the wonderful pigeon. It's the rock the pigeon. Rock That's pigeon. absolutely correct. Well done. I had to clarify that. I'm sorry, pigeons. <laughs> all right. Sounds like a basketball shoe on the hardwood. So whenever we're birding in a local park and we hear this really high-pitched squeak, Rose-breasted grosbeak. It is rose-breasted grosbeak. Song has a mixture of different notes that they sort of toss together. Yeah, um, not the not the most uh, impressive member of Mimidae. Uh, this this slurred bird is the gray cat bird. You got it. Yeah, you got it. You're good at this. It's almost as if you have a you know detailed understanding of the show that you're on. <laughs> Very good. I may have binge-watched once or twice. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, I have a couple more. The bird song you hear in a Disney movie. This was not you. This was Tanya Romero. It sure She's was. She's describing a house wren. She is yeah. a house wren. You know, when she said that, I had no idea that, that I didn't make the correlation there, but after that point on, I heard that every single time. It made <laughs> yeah. so much sense. It's like in Snow White. Yeah. yeah, house wren. All right, one more. And this one should be right up your alley. Sky Lamborghini. There's only one Sky Lamborghini. You're absolutely right. That is the fastest animal on this planet, and that is the Peregrine Falcon. Peregrine Falcon. <laughs> Kelly, how did Jason do? Five for five. Five for five. Amazing. Yes. yes. Please, a big hand for Jason yes. Ward. If you're not already a fan of Topics Birds of North America, you should be. Thank you, Jason. I want to welcome to the stage Marie Rust and Jenny Duberstein. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Marie. Um, I have a couple games for you, but first I want to talk to you about birds and pop culture. I know that it's something that we always, we're, you know, bird, as birders, we sort of roll our eyes whenever we see a bird in the wrong place. Do you guys have any favorite bird and pop culture moments, Marie? Princes when doves cry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, an entire generation got to learn that um, how sad doves can get. How about you, Jenny? Well, I, I thought of two. So the first thing that came to mind was Portlandia and oh, okay. put a bird, yep, on, a bird it. on it. Yep. Um, but so this summer, this song came out a couple years ago, I guess. Um, but this summer, so I do a lot of stuff with young birders, and my kids discovered it this summer and played this over and over and over and over again for two weeks. Uh, but Birdsong by the Sweatshop Boys. The Sweatshop Boys, I wish yeah. I queued up. Like anybody played. that can rhyme, you like bring flame-colored tanager and Montezuma quail into a song and make it rhyme. It's, it's very, pretty impressive, very nicely done. good stuff. Yeah. Well, I have a game for you that sort of connects birds and pop culture. Um, so I, I started thinking like, we love bird vocalizations here. We're big fans of bird songs, bird calls. Uh, where else do we hear beautiful songs? And the answer, of course, is Broadway. Broadway musicals. So <laughs> I could see your trepidation on your faces. Um, the name of this song is Stage and State Birds. And what I've done is created a mashup of famous Broadway musicals and state birds. Nate, you need a hobby. I know. This is my hobby. 
For example, if I were to say to you, this famous Sondheim musical about showbiz, which gives us the standards, everything's coming up roses, uh, could only have been made better had Rose worn long tails like those on this state bird of Oklahoma. And the answer would be Gypsy Zertailed Flycatcher. <laughs> the name of the musical will merge with the name of the bird. The name of the musical will always come first. All right? C can we tie at zero? <laughs> you might. You might. All right, so your buzzers are ready. Here we go. The battles between rival gangs, the Sharks and the Jets, in this famous musical would have been way more dangerous had they used knives shaped like the tail of this introduced game bird and state bird of South Dakota. Feel free to talk it out if you want to ring the bell, ring the buzzer and talk it out. I can see people are talking it out out there. I can hear you. Go for it, Marie. West side sharp-tailed grouse. Close, close. You got the musical correct. Do you want to steal it, Jenny? No, I'm, you, do you have those moments where like your mind goes blank mm -hmm. because there's an audience staring at you? <laughs> Judging you, yeah. Well, that doesn't require an audience for me. My mind goes blank on Does anyone in the audience know? Yeah? Yeah, rest, rest, West Side Store Ringed Necked Pheasant. Correct. <laughs> Kelly, what's the score? Score zero, correct. All right. I'd like to tag somebody in from the audience, please. <laughs> yeah, phone a friend. No, this is good. This is good. All right. This musical, based on a Disney animated movie, sees heroine Belle held prisoner in an old castle, a far cry from the nesting boxes preferred by this thrush, the state bird of New York and Missouri. Talk it out? You can talk it out? How many thrushes are there? Guess something. <laughs> the state bird of New York and where? Missouri. It is a cavity nesting thrush. And the musical is a Disney animated movie. That's fine. It's Beauty and the Beast. This makes yeah? Beauty and the Beastern Bluebird is correct. Beastern Bluebird. I think I'm starting to see it as well. This is going great. Okay. I know. That's right. Just call me Nolan Ryan. Everybody knows the songs in this famous musical set in a Jewish community in Eastern Europe. Could use the sort of percussion provided by the display of this game bird, the state bird of Pennsylvania. Jenny. Okay. <laughs> Wait, let me think about this. Yeah? Uh, I'm, I had it in my head, now I'm blanking on the bird. It's Fiddler on the Roof, uh, and I can picture it, and it's the Ruffed Grouse. Yes. Thank you. All right, so, so put it together. Fiddler on the Ruffed Grouse? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Fiddler on the Ruffed Grouse. Thank you. Thank, thank you. We can only go up from here. This comedy musical about missionaries in Uganda was written by the creators of South Park and really missed an opportunity to feature the state bird of Nevada and Idaho 
in the scenes set in neighboring Utah. I know the musical. You do? Do you know the bird? No. Oh. It is a sky blue thrush. Common in the, uh, yes, Jenny? Book of Mountain Bluebirds? Close. What's the, what's the musical? Oh, Book of Mormon Tin, tin Bluebirds. There it is, the Book of Mormon Mountain Bluebirds. I didn't know the musical. Kelly, what's the score? Two to nothing, Jenny. So right. I'm basically digging myself a hole here yeah. for more torture. <laughs> Almost certainly. Well done. Right on. This musical based on an Oprah Winfrey film adaptation, which in turn was based on an Alice Walker novel, is set in the American South, where this state bird of New Hampshire is unfortunately only an uncommon winter visitor. I see you're trying, you're working on it. Close, you're very close. So the, um, there's a movie that had Oprah Winfrey in it. No, no, I know, I have the first part down. Okay, I and so the, the other, the, the bird is a seed-eating, go for it, <laughs> Jenny. The color purple finch? The color purple finch. <laughs> I knew you guys could talk it out. I need to talk it out. Two more, then this whole painful ordeal will be over. The songs of Swedish pop group ABBA, not to be confused with the American Birding Association, feature heavily in this musical, but nothing that Benny and Bjorn wrote sounds as sweet as this familiar lawn thrush, the state bird of Connecticut, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Marie. Mama Mia American Robin. Exactly, Mama Mia American Robin. One more. Snoopy, as a World War I flying ace in this musical based on the Peanuts comics, dives to escape the Red Baron, but never as gracefully as the dives of this state bird of Louisiana. I don't remember the name of the musical, but I can sing a song from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like half a point. Anyone in the audience want to give a guess? You're a good man, Charlie Brown Pelican. That's correct. We've mercifully come to the end. Kelly, what's the score? Three to one, Jenny. You'll have a chance to come back in just a second. Thank you, both of you. I want to welcome to the stage someone who I have the great pleasure to work with, who's going to play a game with us. Please give a warm welcome to Ted Floyd, birding editor. Thank you, Ted. Welcome. Hey, y'all. 
One of the uh, great pleasures of working with Ted is that he can uh, speak extemporaneously on just about any bird-related subject and most other non-bird-related subjects for any length of time. So I've created a game for you, Ted, called Stump Ted Floyd. Oh, dear. All right. I'd like to uh, head to the men's room right now. For <laughs> I have a bunch of questions for you, and we're going to do this in a more than, fewer than sort of format. So I will give you a question that has a definitive number as an answer, and I will give you a number, and you will tell me whether that number is higher than the number I give you or lower, the actual answer to the question I'm giving you. Do you understand? And I can't resist pointing out that... Um, in another life of mine, I'm actually a volunteer public school math teacher, mm -hmm. and the lesson for next week is on inequalities, greater than, less than, or equal to. Perfect. You didn't know that, Just but I, I, I may well podcast. actually have material for my next math class there as a go. result of this. All right. Are you ready? I don't think I am, but let's have at it. All right. So, Ted, on the current uh, iteration of the ABA checklist, there are 1,112 species. How many of those species have been recorded only in Texas? Oh. Is it more than 22, fewer than 22, or exactly 22? That sounds a bit high to me. As wonderful and as glorious as the avifauna of Texas is, I would find it surprising that 22 or more birds had been recorded only in Texas. So, uh, but it could be 22, but I'm still going to say fewer than 22. It's more than 22. The answer is 24. Wow. <laughs> now I you, ought to ask you want to, know what they to are? Name, name all 24 of them. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a really kind of fascinating mix of uh, Texas Valley specialties and uh, birds that have shown up like one or two. Yeah, like double striped thick knee, for that's, example. That's one of them, yep. exactly. So it's, um, do you want to, are you curious? Crane hawk. I, yeah. I, I don't know if I can do all 24 yeah, of them. So Red-billed pigeon, white-tipped mm -hmm. dove. Common parake. Uh, by the way, if anyone knows if I'm wrong about this, just save it till the end of the podcast, please. <laughs> Double striped thick knee, collared plover, bare throated tiger heron, hook billed kite, crane hawk, roadside hawk, mottled owl, stygian owl, Amazon kingfisher, collared forest falcon, mastatyra, Yucatan vireo, brown jay, green jay. He's ru really rubbing it in, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> have you gotten to have again? Tomalipus crow, olive sparrow, kalima warbler, gray-crowned yellowthroat, crimson collared grosbeak, blue bunting, and the only tanager to nest in the ABA area. Oh, yes, the uh, former white-collared seed-eater, now the Morlets seed-eater. I feel like putting Nate on the spot and asking him how to spell Morlets, but I've we got won't, we right won't here, do that so right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kelly, the score? Zero. Zero. Zero is a very important number in mathematics, and we'll be talking about that in class <laughs> next week. All right, Ted. We can even do to... negative numbers, sorry. <laughs> According to Clemens Taxonomy, which is the taxonomy used by eBird, how many monotypic bird families are there in the world? Is it more than 20, fewer than 20, or exactly 20? So a monotypic bird family is a family of bird uh, that has only one species in it. Uh, they are often sort of families that occur in Central Asia. Um, again, 20 sounds about right to me. I know that there have been a number of uh, elevations in recent years um, of uh, oh, birds, for example, in Papua New Guinea to their, to their own family. So I'm going to go with slightly more than 20. You're correct. There are more than 20. It's 32. Okay, there we go. And this is with Clements. There are a number, you know, that, um, IOC and... 
hamburger birds of the world kind of treat things differently. Which it's is interesting, like, but if that question had been put to me five years ago, I might have said 20 or fewer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, William Von Herf sent me this one in the red polling, pay, red polling group. Uh, since the creation of the AOU, now AOS checklist in the 50s, do you know exactly the date of the first one? Was it 57? I was... No, that, 1957 is the fifth edition. I oh. think the first is like 1888 or something like that. So In any case. long ago. <laughs> how many species? Oh, how many species have been lumped? More than 100, fewer than 100, or exactly 100? Now, is the question since 1957 or no? Since ever? the creation of the ever since the creation of the AOU. Now, what checklist? about species that have been lumped and then split again? Those count. Those count. And what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> How many species have been lumped and the, uh, the hinge number is 100? Yeah, this is interesting because I think there are probably some that have been lumped multiple times well, as well. And I don't know whether to count those as one or two or three or four times. So, uh, for example, uh, many juncos were lumped into a single dark-eyed junco. So I would count those as all individual lumps. Uh, we one lump or multiple, multiple lumps? Multiple lumps. Yeah, so I'm, the answer is 100 is my base. 100 is your base. That sounds just about right to me. I'm going to say it has been more than 100. It has been more than 100. All it's right. 123. Okay. As best of my recollection. All right. This one is from uh, Andrew Gutenberg. How many ABA breeding species regularly have a wingspan shorter than their length? More than seven, fewer than seven, or exactly seven? A wingspan shorter than their length. I wonder if we're including uh, extinct species like the great auk. Oh, okay. Well, then definitely it's uh, less than eight. No. Yeah. So the question again is how many species have a wingspan? And this is like a fully, ex like a museum spread out wingspan. Less than their length. Seven's my baseline. Seven's your baseline. Although I can't off the tip of my tongue, imagine what they are. I'm going to say I'll more than seven. It's six. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, do, you know, do you want to know what those species are? So, so it, it's a species with have very long tails or very long necks, right? Right, so okay. So Clark's and Western Grebe, oh. Greater Roadrunner, Scissor-tailed Flycatcher, and the Magpies. Wow. Although they're very close. All righty. This, may, this one may actually reappear in the magazine before too long. <laughs> so one more, Ted. Right. What's the score, Kelly? Two. Two. Two's a good number. Two's fine. <laughs> what is the highest total of a CBC count in the United States? Higher than 250? Fewer than 250? Or exactly 250? You know, it's funny, if you had asked me this question when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. not only could I have told you the highest count, it was probably Santa Barbara 224, or Freeport 236, or something like that, I could have given you like the top 50 that year and all the years before. <laughs> I'm not the person I used to be. Yeah. I would be really I'm amazed to learn that even a count right here, Corpus Christi, something like that, has actually hit 250 with recent splits. So I'm going to say it's somewhere in Texas, but a little bit less than 250. It's actually exactly Oh, okay. <laughs> is it, it a, the Mad Island Marsh? There we go. Matagoda Excellent. County, okay. I could have told you the count, and I would have yeah. thought it would have been in the uh, Kelly, uh, high two, score two. two. I think I stumped Ted Floyd. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. All right. All right. Thanks, Ted. All right. If I can welcome Marie and Jenny back to the stage.
for this game. Uh, I need some help. So I'm going to welcome back Wendy Clark, John Lowry, and of course, ABA President Jeff Gordon. Please welcome them back. This game is inspired by the question that every birder gets asked when they open their scope on a public reservoir. Did you see the eagles? So what we've done in this game is we have rewritten lyrics of eagles' songs to be about birds of prey. Your job is to ring in and tell us what bird of prey we are talking about. If you, you can also get a bonus point if you name the song that we are parodying. Do you understand? Are you ready? All right, take it away. I'm heading out this very hour down to Canopy Tower and maybe I can see it there. Eating sloths and monkeys, crest looks kind of funky, claws the size of grizzly bears. Uh, Marie. Uh, Harpy, Eagle. Harpy Eagle is correct. <laughs> Harpy Eagle is correct. And for a bonus point, take it easy. So the downside of this is that I don't want to ring in because I want to hear the whole song. <laughs> Number two. Well, I saw it while I was driving down the interstate Sitting on the power line alone Colors red and blue Mustache and false eyes too The cutest little falcon in the land American Kestrel. It is American Kestrel. And for a bonus point, can you name the song? I cannot. Marie, can you steal it? Oh, um, I stopped paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know you can steal a bonus point if you name the song and Jenny doesn't get it. The song was already gone. Question, song number three. I thought it was a small plane But it's a giant vulture From the Pleistocene Only two dozen extant Thirty years ago They put them all in flight cages And then they let them go You can ring it at any time. The Hotel California Condor? It is the Hotel California Condor. That's two points. Two points. Well done, Jenny. Song number four. Raven mask and ruby eye. Snowshoe hares and grouse will die. Nest high in a spruce's crown. 
Get too close, she's gonna take you down. Exhibit her, see how fast she flies. Nelson Briefer ripping through the sky. Marie. Is that a Jura Falcon? It is not a Jura Falcon. Do you want to steal it, Jenny? It's a Northern Goshawk. It's a Northern Goshawk. Yes. And the song? I don't know the name of the song. Oh. Do you want it, Marie? It's Witchy Woman. It's Witchy Woman. One point for Marie. One more song. Plaintive tooting. You sound like a truck driving backward. I've been looking for that bird for 30 damn minutes now. Oh, you're a small owl, tucked in the furs in the way back. I think I might bust out some playback and make you fly at my head. This is a small owl that actually flew at the head of one of my instructors at Camp Colorado. They are known for that. Uh, Northern Sawat? It is Northern Sawat Owl. And for a bonus point, do you want to name the song? Uh, Desperado. It's Desperado. Thank you very much, Wendy, Jeff, and John. Kelly, what's our score? Three to Jenny. So Jenny, congratulations. Did Jenny win the first game too? All right, Jenny. Jenny is going to be back for our last game. All right, so I'd like to welcome back Jenny and Mike McCloy, who won our first game. Congratulations. Okay, so this is the final game for all the marbles. The winner, I don't know, we haven't decided what they get. Maybe a t-shirt or something. Uh, this final game is a back and forth, kind of like a hockey shootout. I'm going to ask you a number of questions. You don't, need your, you don't need your buzzers. The answer to all of these questions will have the name of a bird in it. Okay? So all the answers will have the name of the bird. So Michael goes first. Here we go. This suspense thriller, written by John Grisham, was turned into a movie starring Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for the Pelican Brief. Um, Jenny, this classic novel by Harper Lee tells the story of the ornithologically named Atticus Finch and his daughter Scout. To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird. Ding. Michael, brewed in Bangalore, this curry house staple is India's most popular brand of beer. Kingfisher. Kingfisher's correct. Jenny, to have this around your neck is to have a heavy or inescapable burden. Albatross. Albatross is correct. Michael, this medium blue-green color is often used colloquially to refer to shades of cyan. Cerulean. No, that is incorrect. I was looking for teal. Jenny, this selfie pose in which the lips are pressed together while the cheeks are sucked in 
Started as an attempt to look alluring, but is now mostly used ironically. Uh, duck face? Duck face is correct. Michael. <laughs> this term refers to a person, person's final public performance before retirement. I am blanking. All right. I will pass. <laughs> the answer is swan song. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> Jenny. Crossing the street unlawfully without regard for approaching traffic. I am from Pittsburgh, where we are apparently known for jaywalking. Jaywalking is correct. Where's, what, what's the score now? Four to one, Jenny. Uh, the, Michael, a brand of straight bourbon brewed in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Wild turkey. Wild turkey is correct. <laughs> a 2003 inductee into the Basketball Hall of Fame, he was known as the Clown Prince of the Harlem Globetrotters. I don't know. <laughs> Metal Lark Lemon. Uh, that means Jenny is our winner. Congratulations, Jenny. Thank you all for coming. Uh, the American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. If you enjoy this podcast and the free resources the ABA provides to birders, the best way to support them is to join the ABA. You can do it right here tonight. You can also do it any other time at the ABA booth. Uh, learn more at aba.org slash join. Executive producer of the American Birding Podcast and president of the ABA is Jeffrey Gordon. Technical production is by John Lowry. Thank you so much. Additional help tonight came from Wendy Clark, Ted Floyd, Jason Ward, Alex Lamro, Mike McCloy, Marie Rust, and Jenny Duberstein. Thank you so much much for all of that. Uh, you can find us online at aba.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash birders. Uh, questions and comments can come to me at podcast at aba.org or, you know, over there at the cake table. By the way, we have cake. Please stick around and have some cake. Uh, I'm Nate Swick. Thank you for listening. Until next time. That's it. That's all we got. <laughs>